tell you, there's some good proverbs here in this 17th chapter that we want to we want to tear into this evening and pull apart and get the um, get some uh, some some spiritual food from this principles for life and for living. I forgot to mention too. I think there's a food ministry meeting tomorrow night at seven o'clock, six thirty, six thirty tomorrow evening for those that are involved or want to be involved in food ministry. Tomorrow evening at 6.30 here at the church, okay? Sounds like it's raining outside. Amen. Uh, amen. Well, it doesn't matter. If we lose electric, I've got my iPad, so I'm, I'm good to go. I can preach in the dark. Praise God. <laughs> Chapter 17, verse 1. I love the way it starts out. It's one of those better Proverbs, and there's a lot of those throughout the book of Proverbs where he talks about better things, and he says this, better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. What he's saying there is it's better to have a dry biscuit in a quiet house than to have a steak with a ha- in a house where there's strife and contention. You know, strife and um, contention is is something that that uh, will open the door. It's an, it's an open door. Anytime we allow strife in our, in our life to get into strife with an individual, we allow strife in our life or uh, when, when, it, when strife is allowed to come into a church or into a family or into a home, there's something about strife and that is that it will open, it, it's an open door to the enemy for him to come in and do just anything he wants to do in our lives. Somebody said, well, how do you know that? Well, James said that, that where there is envying and strife, that there is confusion in every evil work in James 3 and 6. So anywhere you find envying and strife, you always find confusion. You find an evil work. So what he's saying is there's an open door that strife gives. Uh, When we allow strife in our life, it opens the door for the enemy to come in and to do other things in our life. And, um, you know, a lot of the problems that we encounter in our life with the devil... A lot of times is because we, through some, some way or another, we have opened the door and allowed the enemy to have access into our life. Somebody said, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, Paul said in Ephesians, I believe it's Ephesians 4, 427, I think he said that we are not to give place to the devil. Isn't that what he said? Not to give place to the devil. So what that means is that we're not to allow the devil to have any place in our life. Don't open that door. Keep that door shut. Amen. And uh, act like that devil's a door-to-door salesman. Man, shut that door and don't open it for him at all. Amen. So we've got to keep that, that door of strife. Uh, closed and strife has got to be avoided whenever possible in our life. And that's what he's saying here, that it's better to have a dry morsel with quietness, with peacefulness, than to have a house full of feasting with strife. Peace, listen, peace is a wonderful thing. 
Amen. To have peace in your heart, peace in your soul, to have the peace, to, have, to know you've got peace with God and to have the peace of God. Peace is a wonderful thing. And Jesus said, my peace, it's a legacy that he's given to us. He said, my peace um, I give to you. Not as the world gives unto you, so give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so peace is a wonderful thing to have. And peace in a home, uh, when, when it's in a home and there's love for one another and there's harmony within that home and that family and, you know, we, we take it, we, we, we look at that too in the church, in the family of God. When there's peace, when there's harmony, when everybody's getting along, when nobody's mad at one another and nobody's feuding with one another, that's a wonderful atmosphere, isn't it? But it's not a good atmosphere where there's, where there's bickering and there's fighting and there's contention, there's confusion and all of that mess going on that opens the door for the enemy. So peace is better. Peace from a loving, from a family and in a family that's loving each other is better and more valuable. And here's what he's saying. That, that, that situation in a home is more valuable than prosperity. And I know there's a lot of emphasis put on financial and material wealth and prosperity. And uh, we talked about that all through this uh, study in Proverbs. But listen, it's better to have peace than it is to have all the money you can have in the world. Amen. Uh, He said that it's better to have a dry morsel. What's a dry morsel? Just an old biscuit. Just (laughs) a dry morsel. It describes the portion that was given to the poor. It was just a scrap of bread. And it was what that was given to prisoners that were, you know, that was their daily ration. They they, they, they just given a piece of bread. And so that's what a dry morsel is. But feasting refers to, to more food than you could possibly require. I think most of us, Here at Abundant Life, most of us are used to um, feasting more than we are fasting. Amen. Got quiet there, didn't it? Amen. But 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 feasting uh, refers to having plenty. Only the rich in Bible days, it was only the rich that feasted on on meat on a regular basis. Everybody else just had just the the bread, the barley cakes, and things like that that uh, that they ate because most of the people, a lot of the people, were poor and didn't have a lot. And uh, so the point that he's making is this in that first verse of that proverb is that, that no price tag, there's no dollar value that can be placed upon a home, a family, a house, a church that is filled with love and tranquility. It's priceless. It's priceless when there's that peace in that home, in that family, and in our heart and in our life. Amen. A person, you know, and, and we're not, we're not glorifying poverty. I don't believe God wants us to be poverty stricken at all. But what the Bible does teach is this, that it's better to have God and to have the peace of God and have nothing materially than to have all the wealth of the world and uh, not be able to lay your head on the pillow at night because you don't have peace in your soul. Amen. Are you glad you got Jesus tonight? Praise God. Verse 2, he says, a wise servant A wise servant will rule over a son who causes shame and will share an inheritance among his brothers. 
And uh, if, a, if an untrustworthy son, when he's talking about a son, a son was the person in the family that the inheritance was to fall to. The son was the heir that was to get the inheritance of his father. And if a son, one born into the family, was untrustworthy or was irresponsible, then a father could and many times would promote a responsible servant over him. So in other words, if the, if the, if the family had a servant that was a faithful dedicated servant and that son of that father was irresponsible he was running around and he wasn't wasn't faithful that father many times would 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 transfer that inheritance to that servant and the son got nothing so a faithful servant would get the inheritance so what's he teaching here what's one of the the principles that he's that he's that he's teaching he's teaching this that if we are faithful and we are responsible to the Lord and faithful to the Lord, then we're going to be elevated and promoted above those who are uh, who had maybe had more of an advantage than you did. And he's telling us here something about faithfulness, and and uh, that is that God, and I think we all know this, that God does reward faithfulness in the workplace. Uh, faithfulness will be rewarded on the job, in the church, and in the kingdom of God. That's what God is looking for today in your life and my life is faithfulness. Amen. He's not looking as much for success as he is faithfulness. Now, I don't know about anybody else. I want the inheritance that I got coming to me. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I want what I've got coming to me. I don't want to be an unfaithful servant and lose out on the inheritance that God has, has provided for me, the reward that he's got for me. Amen. Praise God. So be faithful. You know, when we stand before the Lord and we, we've read it in the gospels, we've talked about it before, that the one thing Jesus is going to say to us is not well done thou good and successful servant but he's going to say well done good and faithful servant amen so faithfulness is key in living for God and in life verse 3 the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold but the Lord tests the hearts now here's you know, this is an interesting proverb because it talks about test and us being tested. How many know that we, our faith as Christians, our faith will be tested? Amen. We go through trials. We go through tests. We face difficulties in life. And fire is what purifies silver and gold. And the Lord, here it says, purifies our hearts. And when it talks about fire, how, how uh, the refining pot and the furnace, it mentions the furnace and the refining pot, and how that silver and gold is refined. And I, I think we all know this, but you know how... You take gold or you take silver, and in order for that silver or gold to be purified and to really be worth something, 
It has, you have to get the impurities out of it. Gold or silver that just comes out of the mine is full of dirt and it's full of other stuff beside the pure metals. And so all the junk, all the impurities have to come out of the gold and silver. And so the same is true with us. But how do they get, how do they get the uh, impurities out of those precious metals? They put them in a refining pot and they put it in a furnace and they heat the furnace up and melt the silver down. They melt the gold. And when they melt, when that smelter or that refiner melts that silver and gold and it turns into liquid, it turns molten, then the impurities that are in that all come to the top, flows to the top. And then they, when, that, when those impurities come to the top, they can be skimmed off. And as they come to the top, they skim them off. And um, um, that's how the precious metals are refined. And so, you know, um, the smelter in Bible days, and I've read this a long time ago and uh, came across it again the other day, but in Bible days when they were refining silver and gold, the smelter would know that the gold or the silver was pure and all the impurities were out or most of the impurities were out when he could look into that molten, that metal when it was in its molten state and he could see his reflection. Hallelujah. And that always blesses me because I'm going to tell you what, I want Jesus to be able to see his reflection in the life of Rick Hensley. And that should be the desire of every single one of us tonight is to be purified and for all that junk and impurities to get out of our life, out of our character. And um, so the Lord likewise brings our impurities to the surface so we can deal with them and so he can deal with them. And a lot of times we don't even know. We don't realize what's, what's in there until we're put in the fire or under the pressure. And then what's in there inside of us will come to the surface and come to the top and we see it. How many know what I'm talking about? You ever been there and you think, man, I didn't realize that was in me. And then you have to do some praying. And then you have to do some repenting. And then you, you know, and God is skimming that 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 mess then out of your life and and it's 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 refining your character and and trials fiery trials the bible talks about fiery trials fiery trials and uh that we go through will test the character and the strength of the believer it tests our faith now going through trials doesn't give you faith the way you get faith is by the word of God isn't that right that going through times of trials and tests does test our faith and as we endure those trials we will strengthen and uh, our faith as we use it and this is what um, you know this is what what we go through many times when we go through those times of testing Peter said it this way in 1 Peter 1 and 7. He said that the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it be tried by fire. Anybody ever been through the fire? 
of testing. Anybody ever been through the fire of trials? He said this, Peter said this in 1 Peter 4, 12, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, but rather rejoice in those times of trial. So when you're going through, how do you deal with trials? And we've all been through them. We've all faced those fiery trials and tests. How do we deal with those situations when we're going through? Nobody likes to go through the fire. Do you? Huh? If you do, you can have some of mine. <laughs> nobody, nobody likes to go through the fire. But, uh, you know, but when you come out, praise God, when you endure it, when you come through on the other side, you, you're, 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 you're better than you were when you went in it. Amen? And how do you deal with it? He said, rejoice in those times. Be faithful to the Lord. Stand on the Word of God. Exercise. See, listen, when you're going through the trials of life, that is the time. When you're going through that fire, that is the time that you, that you exercise your faith and um, you develop or put into, let's put it this way, you put into practice your patience or endurance. The trying... I believe it was James said it this way, the trial of your faith works patience, right? And that word patience means endurance or perseverance. So it builds our stamina. It works perseverance. It works endurance in our life. And listen, there's just some folks that have no enduring quality. They can't, they don't make it through the, the, the test. A lot of folks don't. And when you fail the test, you know what happens. You got to take it again, right? Isn't that right? You got to take it again until you pass it. And God's not grading on the curve. You got to pass it, amen? <laughs> amen. But, uh, but we've got to have that. You know, and, and, and he talked about in Romans chapter 5, and let me just, I'm gonna, I've got to move on. But in, in Romans chapter 5, Paul said this that we be uh, and not be, um, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character see and that's the thing God is working to build our character amen produces perseverance as we persevere um, perseverance builds our character and character hope and hope does not disappoint praise God so when you go through those trials you go through those tests I don't believe God intends for you and I to live in the fire Huh? But we go through the fire like the three Hebrew children. They went in the fiery furnace, but they came out on the other side. And they were better when they came through it than they were when they went in it. All that fire could do was burn the bonds off of them that they were bound with. And when they got through on the other side, they were even promoted. So, hey, if you're in a fiery trial tonight, hang on. God's testing the heart by allowing you to 
to go through those times of trials and tests and he will bring you through. You've got to hold on, keep your face strong, persevere and when you come through, praise God, you will be, Job said, when, I, when he has tried me, I'll come forth as gold. How many want to be a, a gold Christian tonight? I have that gold standard of Christianity. Praise God. Well, stay true to the Lord in the time of testing. Verse 4, an evildoer gives heed to false lips. I think we need to listen to this one. An evildoer gives heed to false lips, and a liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. Listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. What's he saying there? He's telling us, don't listen to evil, malicious, destructive talk. Yeah. <laughs> Don't listen to, uh, to, to talk that is malicious uh, when it's directed at someone else. Listen, the listening ear, and, I, and here's the thought right here. The listening ear must share the responsibility with the destructive tongue. What do you mean by that? Well, if there's not a listener, that, that person that's, that's using malicious gossip isn't going to have anybody to tell it to. Amen. I remember the preacher saying years ago, I'm, I, he said, I refuse to let the devil use my ears for a slop jar. Praise God. I'm not going to let people use my ears to spread um, this, you know, gossip and that, that type of thing is that. So if a person, if an individual is destroying someone with their tongue, and I'm, I'm sitting there just listening to that destructive talk, then I'm just as responsible as that person is for the damage that's taking place. Again, if there's no listeners, there can be no gossipers. So how, how people talk about you is what, is what you become in the minds of those that listen to them. Did you hear what I said? How people talk about you is what you become in the minds of those who are listening to what they are saying about you. So if it's false and it's gossip and they're, telling, they're talking about you and telling things that are not true and slandering you, the person that's listening to that is being affected by that. And that's how you'll appear in the mind of that person. Amen? In, in their minds. Or how that person will appear in your mind if you're listening to it. So don't listen to gossip. That's what he's saying. Amen? An evildoer gives heed to false lips. Don't listen to that. You're per participating in a destructive practice when you listen to that kind of pollution. And what's being said about an individual could be totally false, but if you listen to it, the seeds are planted in your mind about that person. Amen? I, uh, I'm going to use um, Brother Roger several months ago and, and, and he had talked to me and said and I won't say where it was I really don't even remember where it was but he was in a particular store and someone began to talk to him about me and uh, saying some things about me 
See, why? What about that? Well, the Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you. So I'm in pretty good shape then. But uh, he just stopped them. And he said, I don't believe a word of that about Rick Hensley, and I don't want to hear no more. And he just turned around and walked off. And that's the way you handle that kind of thing. You just you pull a Barney Fife on them, nip it in the bud right there. Amen? Right there. Amen. Don't let, um, don't let them do that. He said, a liar listens eagerly to a spiteful tongue. And a lot of people that want to hear that kind of stuff, they want to hear it so they can go tell somebody else, say, do you know what I heard about? Usually it's not, do you know what I heard by the time it gets back and gets out? Do you know what Rick Hensley did? Praise God. (laughs) Amen. My uncle used to say, well, as long as they're talking about me, they're leaving somebody else alone. So praise God. Verse number five. He who mocks the poor reproaches his maker, and he who is glad at he who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. And God takes uh, the things that we say about the poor personally. If we make fun of the poor, we're actually speaking against God Himself. For His heart, God's heart, is especially tender toward poor, the poor. Amen? He always is. He's moved with compassion against them. So, um, and then he said this verse in that second part of verse 5. Here's something that we need to get a hold of. That he who is glad at calamity will not go unpunished. You know, there's something evil. There's something evil in a person that rejoices in the calamity of someone who's done them wrong. Say someone's done us wrong. Okay, what are we supposed to do as Christians if someone does us wrong? Huh? We're supposed to f- pray for them. We're supposed to forgive them, right? We're supposed to do good uh, to our enemies and, and uh, those who despitefully use us. All the things that Jesus taught us to do. But if, we, if, if somebody does us wrong and then something bad happens to that person and we gloat over that, we say, well, serves them right. After, well, you know, what they've done to me, well, that serves them right. There's something evil about that attitude right there. Really quiet tonight, isn't it? We're getting down where the rubber meets the road tonight, amen? But any time that we rejoice in the calamity or the misfortune of someone that has harmed us or hurt us, there's something evil there, and we need to be praying through that. I mean, as, as bad as Saul was, as bad as Saul was to David and how Saul uh, sought the life of David and tried to kill him, and David had two opportunities to kill Saul and spared his life, and yet of all the evil that Saul did to David, when, Saul, when David got the word that Saul had died, he grieved. He grieved over the death of Saul. That is a is a Christ-like spirit. Amen? I said that is a Christ-like spirit. That's why David was, was known as the, a man after God's own heart. Here's one that we can all get a hold of tonight. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. Children's children are grandchildren, right? And those grandchildren said are the crown of old men 
praise God. Got any old men? Old we're, we're not old. We're just recycled teenagers. Isn't that right? Praise God. But grandparents, I mean, this proverb is so true. Grandparents, how many grandparents have got here tonight? Grandparents joy in their grandchildren. And the joy that grandparents have for their grandchildren is unmistakable. Amen. You know, used to when we carried a wallet that had pictures in it. We don't do that anymore. Let me show you some pictures of my grandkids. Now it's on the phone, you know, and on Facebook. And everybody's posting pictures of their grandkids. Why? Because, because those grandchildren are the crown of their grandparents. Amen. One, one fellow said it this way, that grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your own kids. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's kind of the truth, I think. Amen. Somebody else said grandchildren are so much fun that I wish I'd had them first. Amen. <laughs> so, so we do. We should wear the love and pride of our grandchildren like a crown. And in that verse there, in verse 6, children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children is their father. So it mentions the father, it mentions the grandfather, and it mentions the grandchildren. And so there's three generations that are mentioned in this proverb. And, and this whole set of proverbs, verses 1 through 6, this whole set, that it begins and ends with a happy home. Have you noticed that? Verse 1 begins with that happy home. And, and, and that, and this, this sixth verse, it closes this set of proverbs with a happy home too. And three generations there together, father, son, the children, the grandchildren, all there together. And that tells us that God's desire for, for us all is to have a happy home. The family is the plan of God. The nuclear family, the traditional family that's under so much attack within the world today and in this woke generation that we're living in today, God's plan is still for the traditional family of one man and one woman. Amen. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. For one lifetime, raising children and their children's children and being together as a family in a happy home. That is the will of God. Satan and this culture today is doing everything they can to try to destroy that but praise God we're going to keep preaching it we're going to keep uh, keep keep stressing it that that God's will is for the family and he blesses families can I get an amen praise God amen so that is that's God's plan and God's will for our life verse 7 excellent speech is not becoming to a fool now here we go that second, well, the whole thing. Excellent speech is not becoming to a fool. Brother Bob mentioned somebody's name a while ago, but we won't repeat it. <laughs> um, but look at that second part of verse 7. Much less lying lips to a prince. What is a prince? It's a, it's a leader, someone in authority. Could be a politician. 
A lying leader is worse than an, than an arrogant, prideful fool. I didn't make that up. That's what the Bible teaches and says. That's the way God looks at it. Because fools don't use excellent speech. For, for a fool to be in a position of leadership is just, it's, it's messed up. It's unjust. But yet, it often occurs. And the problem is that many times fools are elected and placed in office. And once they get there, they're dangerous to the people and to the nation, and they are, they are, number one, they're fools to accept the position of leadership, and then people who put them in that place of leadership are as big a fool as they are, if not greater. Blinded. Blinded, amen? My Lord, we need to pray like we've never prayed before for our country, for our nation, for those who are in leadership today. Amen. Um, for, the, for, the, for the officials that we have, that God would get a hold of their lives. Verse 8 says, A present is a precious stone in the eyes of a possessor. And this goes along too kindly with the, the, the proverb we just mentioned. Wherefore, wherever he turns, he prospers. A present, what's he talking about? A present is a precious stone. He's speaking of money there that is used as a bribe. And it's a, that bribe money, a bribe brings success to the one who gives it, but God despises and detests bribery. It's... It, it, it's, it's God, you know, these people here highly, when he says that it's a present, uh, uh, that it's a precious stone in the eyes of its possessor, talking about a bribe, these people highly possess it because they, they crave something so much that they're willing to use illegitimate means to get it. How I many know there's a lot of people like that? They want something so much that they will do something illegal or illegitimate, you know, some, something underhanded to get what they want. And those bribes possess power, the power of getting those who offer them exactly what they want. And that's why they're used so much. Businesses and organizations make contributions to government officials in return for favors that they will give to them. How many knows that happens? Happens. Huh? Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Criminals and plaintiffs in legal disputes use bribes to seek favorable verdicts from judges. And judges are bribed and, 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 and uh, law, uh, uh, you know, officials in law enforcement can be bribed. A lot of people use bribes. That's why it says to them it's a precious stone in the eyes of the possessor because whenever he uses it, it prospers him. It gets him what he wants. But I'm going to tell you what, God's word has always, always forbidden the taking of bribes. He mentioned it in Exodus 23 and 8, Deuteronomy 1619 and, and many other places in the Word of God that giving bribes is, is, is totally against the Word of God and God hates it. Can I get an amen tonight? Yeah. 
Verse 9, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates friends. This verse, of course, is talking about not speaking evil of someone in the front of other people. We just talked about that in in a previous verse. If you love a person, and here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, if you love a person, you will conceal their sins and faults and not go out and make their faults public before everybody and reveal them to others. If you've got a friend or an acquaintance that's done something wrong, you're not going to air that dirty laundry on Facebook social media. You're not going to go telling everybody somebody else's sin and somebody else's fault. God is not pleased with that. To repeat a friend's transgression to other people will result in the end of your friendship. Amen? So you have to be, here's what the Bible teaches us, that we must be willing to cover and forgive and forget offenses that are committed by other people against us. And that's one of the meanings of this proverb, to cover. If we love somebody, we're going to cover that sin, forgive that transgression, amen, and not hold that thing against them continually. Not hold that grudge. The Bible's all about forgiveness. I mean, the Lord, thank God that the Lord has forgiven us And he's not bringing our sins up to us anymore, is he? He's not holding our past. Thank God he's not holding our past against us. The Bible said that he's forgiven us our sins. He's cast them as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them against us no more. He's not going to mention them again. They're under the blood of Jesus. They're washed away. And as he has forgiven us, so he expects us to forgive those who trespass against us. And a lot of people today are in, in, in uh, going through, a, you know, unforgiveness. We talked a while ago about strife and contention, opening doors to the enemy. Here's one of the biggest door openers to the devil that you can have in your life is to just to refuse to forgive somebody of something that they've done wrong to you. Jesus talked about in Mark eleven twenty four. 24, we love to talk about that verse. How that he said, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. Praise God. That's awesome. But verse 25 says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any so that your heavenly Father will forgive you your trespasses. And then he went on in verse 26, Jesus did to say, and if you do not forgive Others, their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. That's, that's, pretty, that's, that's pretty important stuff right there. Amen? I said, that's pretty important stuff. Amen? That's an open door. If, if a person refuses to forgive somebody of their trespasses... Something they've done against them and they refuse to forgive them, it's an open door to the enemy. I was preaching um, uh, uh, some services down in south here a few years ago, and the pastor and I were standing there before the service, and the lady came up 
and she was uh, said that she had a was being tormented by a demon. And she wanted this demon cast out of her. And I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> and so the pastor said, well, let's go back to into the to the back room here and talk about it. So we took her back there. And uh, before we prayed for her, he asked her a question. He said, is there anybody, is there someone in your life, someone in your family or someone that, that, that you are not forgiving, that you're holding some unforgiveness again against them? And as soon as he said that, tears just welled up in her eyes. And tears started running down her face. And she said, yes, there is. And she confessed who it was. And so the pastor instructed her to forgive them right then and there as an act of your will. That's what Jesus said. When you stand, pray and do it right then. Forgive. And so he instructed her on on forgiveness. And we prayed with her. And she forgave that individual. I don't remember who it was or what the, it doesn't matter or what the situation was. But she forgave that individual. And do you know what? Immediately, that tormenting spirit that had been tormenting her. And I don't remember if it was fear or what it was. But the thing that had tormented her for years immediately broke off of her and left her, hallelujah, and the joy of the Lord filled her heart and she lifted her hands and began to praise and worship and magnify God. She was set free right there. No, Listen to me. Nobody had to, to, to deal with the demon spirit that was present there, that was oppressing her, that was tormenting her and had been for years. But when she got that forg- when she got that unforgiveness out of her heart, praise God, the thing that was given that demon the legal right to oppress her was gone and he had no right to stay there anymore and it had to go, it had to flee. Amen. That's how important forgiveness is. And that's what Solomon, even back here in the book of Proverbs, is dealing with that. He who covers a transgression seeks love. It doesn't matter what so-and-so did to you years ago. Cover it. Jesus has covered yours, washed yours away. So forgive them. Amen? Praise God. We're going to have to quit right here. But... In, in, in Jesus talked about forgiveness in Matthew. I just feel impressed to kind of deal with this for a minute. But Jesus dealt with forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18. And he talked about, uh, you know, when Peter said, uh, well, how often we got to do it? Seven times? I might be able to handle seven. And Jesus said, no, Peter, not seven, but 70 times seven. In other words... And, and that's not saying 490 just in a day, which you could say that. But he's, he's saying as often as it takes to infinity. But anyway, he gave a, Jesus gave a parable about a, a, a servant, you know, one guy that, that owed his master, I don't know, a bunch of money. Let's say a billion dollars. Okay, and he, he the master said to him, it's time to pay up. And he went to him and he said, I can't pay. 
I don't have anything to pay. Please have mercy on me. And, and, and his master forgave him that billion-dollar debt. And I'm just throwing a number out there. He forgave him of a debt that he could not pay. Represents the debt of sin that we owed and how Jesus forgave us. But then this same dude that just got forgiven of this massive debt goes down the street, finds a guy that owns him, owes him 20 bucks. And he says, pay me now what you owe me. And he said, well, I don't have it right now, but if, you will, if you'll just bear with me, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you as soon as I can. And he would not, listen to me, he would not forgive him of the debt, but he had him thrown into prison. And when the, when the Lord heard about that, he called that unmerciful servant before him and he said, I forgave you a large debt that you couldn't pay. Now you've gone out here and you refuse to forgive somebody that owes you a little piddly debt and you won't forgive them. And he said, you know what he did? He said, turn him over to the tormentors and he said here's the way Jesus ended and he said so will my heavenly father do to those who from their hearts do not forgive those Ooh, man that's heavy stuff but I said that to say this it opens a door for the tormentors it opens the door for oppression. It opens the door, unforgiveness does, for sickness and disease and all kinds of things. So, whoso, he who covers a transgression seeks love, but he who separates a matter, he who repeats a matter separates friends. So always, ladies and gentlemen, walk and live in forgiveness. Listen, we're not getting past verse 9 to 9, but um, in the Lord's Prayer, a pattern that Jesus gave for prayer, it's not a prayer, it's, it's really the disciples' prayer. It's a prayer he gave as a pattern to pray and and there are seven different subjects to pray through there in that Lord's Prayer outline. But one of the things he said that Jesus taught about prayer there was that we're to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And so... Every time when we pray, and this is something that I, that, I, that I do most every day, is to set myself in prayer. Lord, help me today to walk in love toward everybody. You need to prepare yourself early in the morning for what you're going to meet up with during the day. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Amen. Lord, for, help me to, to walk in love and to forgive anyone that would, that would, that would come against me or do anything against me or, or, or sin against me. Help me today to walk in forgiveness toward 
them, that individual. Amen. If there's anything that I search your heart, if there's anything, Lord, in my heart against anybody, show it to me. I'm going to get it out. Make it right. Walk in love. Cover that transgression with the blood of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Father, we love you today. We thank you for the word of God tonight, for your blessings. We pray tonight, Lord, that you would just take what we've said, what your word has taught us, apply it to our hearts and lives. Hallelujah. Help us tonight to, to, to live that life that is pleasing to you, to be mature, strong, spirit-filled men and women of God. And we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. God bless you all.